So this morning we are continuing in a brief series during this Christmas season, looking at what transpired when Christ came into the world. When Christ came, the first week we talked about he came as king of kings. Last week we talked about Christ coming as a suffering servant in Isaiah 53, and today we look at Christ coming as just as we sung as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Where do we find that? We find that in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. So I invite you to turn over there with me to Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. And here we'll see that name, Emmanuel, used with the explanation that it means God with us. You're also going to name some other, notice some other names as we read through. See if you can find them as we track together. In Matthew 1, starting in 18, verse 18, we read, This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until after she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Well, we have Kingdom Kids today. And that is a ministry for our kiddos who are four years old through second grade. So right out of the nursery, we give them an opportunity to head over to our education building downstairs. And so if you are a first-time Kingdom Kid participant, uh, mom, dad, or grandma, grandpa, whoever brought you here, go, are going to go with you to the foyer, meet our Kingdom Kids workers, get them signed up, and they can be picked up after the worship service in the education building right next door here, the center block building. And uh, that is an opportunity for them to worship and learn and study at their level. And so they're going to have a great time over there. But for us here today, if you made the cut and you're old enough to be here, thank you for sticking in there and being here with us to worship together. It's just such a wonderful time of year. And it's a bit of a crazy time of year as well with family schedules and all the things that we have going on. And so we are just, uh, we, we're grateful for these moments to come and to pause, to be together, to worship together, and to pray together. And so I want to do that right now and ask if you would pray with me. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good to us. Some feel that so strongly today, surrounded by family and friends and loved ones, and so many good things happen in their life. They They feel your blessings. Others here this morning don't feel the blessings. And it would take some effort, some work to really think about 
how you are good. God, however we come to this place this morning, we've gathered in your name. We want to hear from you. We want to feel your presence. We want to be challenged by your word, encouraged by your spirit, and transformed through your son, Jesus. So here we are, Lord. Speak to us. Soften our hearts to receive what you have to say. Open our ears to hear it. Strengthen our bones to take what we know is true and live it out. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, when I think about what is taking place here in Matthew, those, that name, those words, is what stands out to me. Emmanuel, God with us. I think that's really good news because sometimes it can feel like we're alone. Even if you have all the friends in the world, even if you have all the family in the world, even if you're married and your house is full or whatever your situation is, you can still at times feel a little bit lonely in the world. You might even say, no one really knows what I'm going through. No one knows what it's like to be me. Nobody knows what my days are like, the challenges I face, the struggles that I go through. No one can understand. And I will say that in a way you're right. In fact, I was reading this just this past week. I'm reading a proverb a day in, in addition to our uh, Advent devotionals. By the way, if you didn't get one of these little Advent devotionals, pick one up. You can uh, jump in wherever we're at on the date. And we're just thinking about the birth of Christ during the season. This devotional helps with that. And I just, I'm adding to that a reading out of Proverbs. And came across this Proverbs the other day. And it stuck in my mind. And when I thought about this, this uh, sense of loneliness that any of us can feel, no matter how many people are around us, I thought of this verse because it rings true. Proverbs 14.10 says, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. What's that, what's that proverb saying? It's saying the, the lows and the highs we uniquely experience, and even those closest to us, don't know exactly what's going on in our interior world and in our interior life. And that can cause us, in a way, to feel a bit lonely. But what if someone could understand a little bit more than the average person? A little bit more of what we're going through and what life is like for us? And that person becomes a friend. I, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He, he said that friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. Have you ever had that moment with someone? sharing your life, sharing a struggle, and all of a sudden they are, they're able to open up and they're able to say, I have gone through what you're going through. Now, do they know exactly what it's like in your interior life, all your thoughts and feelings? No, they don't know exactly, but something resonates. They say, I thought I was the only one. It's good to know someone else has gone through this too. Could be financial crisis, marriage crisis, or just... The dullness of life could be a whole number of things, but when you find someone who knows something about what it's like to live your life, even a little bit, you feel like maybe a friend here has been born. I thought I was the only one, but now I know that's not so. Even that's limited. But what if there was one who really did know everything about our life? 
what's going on in our minds, our thoughts, our feelings, what everyday life is like. They, what if someone really did know that stuff? Well, that's what we have in God. But God can feel so far away and distant, right? God's just this being in the sky, we might think, right? I don't see how he's interacting or involved in my everyday life. I don't feel his presence here. At least when I get together with my family or my friends or even a stranger, at least there's something physical, flesh and bones are here. They're with me. They're, they're present as I am present. You say, well, is that how God is? Because it doesn't feel that way sometimes. God can feel very far away. But see, this is the incredible beauty, not just of Christmas. Christmas is the marker for it. But this is the incredible thing about God. God was not content to be far away. He wasn't content to just know about our life. Like he, he, he's, got the, he's got the file on us. He knows what you did yesterday and the day before. He knows all your thoughts. He knows what you're feeling right now. He knows what you're planning to do next. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, he, he's got all the information in a file on you and me. He knows it all. But he wasn't just content to know about us. God became one of us. God the Father sent Jesus the Son into the world to live a life. Even if even it's 2,000 years away, life is so different. We had our small group Christmas party this morning, and we were talking about how different our lives are compared to our kids' lives. Like We have to explain to them a world that, where Facebook and Google did not exist, Internet was not around, telephones had wires. Like we had, you know, This is just a whole different world than they've experienced. And even 2,000 years ago, how different it was. And yet, I tell you, when I read the Bible, I think, man, this feels contemporary. Yes, there's some things going on that doesn't connect with the world we have today, but the message, the meaning underneath it, what the Scripture is telling us about life, it connects. Because God's in that. And so when Christ comes into the world, even though it's a very different world than us, He still steps into human flesh and knows what it's like to be us. Just as we worry about the future, our children, our health, all the main things that really can, can fill up our minds and our hearts, so they're all the same kinds of things people thought about and worried about 2,000 years ago. So when Jesus stepped into the world, even though it was a very different looking world than today, he faced a humanity, being human himself, God in the flesh, in a very, very similar way as we experience it. So God was not content just to know information about our life. He stepped into our world to become flesh like us. I love the way that John puts it, especially in a translation called the message. It tells us in John 1.14 that the word became flesh. The word is a way of talking about Jesus. Jesus is the message of God. And how do you get across the message? Often by using words. So this word, this message from God became flesh and blood and the scriptures say, and he moved into our neighborhood. That's how Jesus' birth is described in John 1.14 through the message. And what, what did he experience when he moved into our neighborhood? 
We talked about this already, but he came as a king, but it didn't look like a kingdom. He didn't look like he was entering a kingdom. He came as royalty, but he was born into a fairly poor family. Very humble circumstances. Not only that, but he really did face challenges like we face challenges. Struggles like we struggle. One of the verses that points this out most clearly comes from Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16. And here we, see, here we read that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Now, what was a high priest? A priest, gen generically speaking, a priest is someone who would stand between God and the people. And he would communicate the needs of the people to God, and he would communicate the message of God to the people and mediate in between the two. That's what a priest essentially did. So when Christ comes, he is that mediator between us and God the Father. And when he comes and mediates between us and God the Father, we say, well, we've had priests before, and they knew how human we were. They knew, they knew what it was like to be us. And they could communicate empathetically to God. Like if I, if I had someone going to God on my behalf, I would want them to know something of what it's like to live in this world and go through these challenges and struggles, right? I would want them to be able to communicate, you know, Matt's having a hard time, but, you know, I know what he's going through. It, it's tough out there, God. I just want you to know it's, it's a challenge, you know, and he's not always doing as well as we want him to, but, you know, he's struggling through. He's taking the next step each day. You know, he takes a few steps back the next day. We know that. But, hey, listen, you know, we're working with him. We're, let's just cut him a little slack. I, I know it's hard out there. You, you would want someone to go to God on your behalf that would be empathetic for your position. And see, throughout God's people's existence, they had priests like that because priests were always human they were always one who knew what it was like to be human and so they would say to god god this is our struggle here's our sin here's our sacrifice you know we're we're kind of messed up people we keep making mistakes we we're leaning on your grace and so there's something about jesus when he comes as perfect we may say well he's perfect he's the son of god he is god in the flesh he's never sinned how could he know how could he empathetically go to the Father on our behalf? And the scripture says very clearly, no, no, no. See, he felt the weakness of the flesh. He felt the challenge of being human. He felt heartache and loss. He felt what we feel. In many ways, he has gone through what we are going through. He knows what it's like to be human. We do not have a high priest, a mediator between us and God, who is unable to empathize with our weakness, Hebrew 4, 15 says. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. Did you know that? Did you know that? That when you talk to Jesus about temptation in your life, he knows what you're talking about. Not because he read it in a book, not because he observed it in your life, but because Jesus went through temptation did you know that see a, a connection is being formed here when we know that what do we say oh i thought i thought in this relationship between you and me i was the only one that knew that but you too jesus you too you know what it's like to be tempted 
in every way, the scripture says, just as we are. But at the end of verse 15, we're told the difference. He did not sin. Where we come up short, he does not. Where we are weak, he feels the weakness. He went through it himself, and yet his strength endured. So why is that good news? Well, because Jesus says to us, I'm not just ignorant of what you're going through, and I not only have the file on your life, but I have stepped into your shoes. I know what it's like. And if C.S. Lewis is right, when, he, when we're able to say to Jesus, you too, you've been through this challenge too, a friendship is born, you say, well, that seems a little odd, but it's not. In fact, this is exactly what Jesus said to his disciples in the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter, the 15th verse. He says, you are my friend. Because you know. You know what I'm about now. I've communicated my plans to you. I've shared with you. I've talked with you. We've walked together. We've slept under the same stars together. We've done ministry together. We've done life together. You are my friend. So we know we, what we can say to Jesus is, Jesus, you know what it's like to walk in my shoes. It's the beginning of a friendship with Jesus. One who has come into this world as Emmanuel, God with us. The message of God, the word of God has become flesh and blood, has moved into our neighborhood, in our in Texas, we might say in our neck of the woods. He's come and he's settled into this world. So what is this telling us? It's telling us that we have a God who's aware of our circumstances, who's gone through what we've gone through, and has opened the way for us to have a life with him, a relationship with him. A friendship with Jesus. Now, connecting that to our story with Joseph, what does Joseph feel when he's experiencing all this, when he's hearing all this, when he becomes aware of this plan, this cosmic plan that God has set forth from before the beginning of the world, and, and, and here it's taking place right here in his little life. Imagine that. God breaking in into this guy, someone who seemingly fairly unimportant, yeah, he comes from the line of David, but I mean, he's not next in line for the throne or anything like that. He's pretty, you know, unfamiliar. Not, not incredibly important in the grand scheme of things when it comes to Israel's history. He's not, not a nobody, but probably pretty close. And yet God is breaking in to his world, into his life, saying, here's the plan. We talked this a little bit when we talked about Mary. Just think about, put your feet in their shoes and think about what it's like to be them. And now we can do that with Joseph. We think a little bit, what was it like to be Joseph? Now he's got a, he's got a, a, a woman that he's betrothed to. We talked about this before as well. To be betrothed to someone back in their day basically meant you're married, but you haven't, you haven't consummated the marriage yet. You haven't had sex yet, right? That moment of connection physically has not yet taken place. But there's already an agreement that you will be married. And that agreement was taken so seriously that to break that agreement would basically be going through a divorce. Even before the marriage was consummated, that's what it would mean. 
It's that serious. And so he is in a serious engagement, not, you know, not, not a first date here. A serious engagement, a legal agreement, a betrothal to marry. And we read that he finds out that she is with child. It's a kind of incredible thing. I, I don't know how he found out. Just probably one day he's like, you know, Mary, that, that robe's a little tight-fitting. I don't know what's going on. You know, it's too, one too many tortillas. What's happening here? And I don't know if she told him. I don't, it doesn't really explain this conversation. It just kind of leaves it up to our imagination. What was that conversation like between Mary and Joseph? But I tell you some things that most likely went through his mind. People are going to notice that robe's tight-fitting, and they're going to look at me, and they're going to say, you know the law, and you have broken the law. You don't come together physically in that intimate relationship with someone who is not fully legally your spouse. And they're going to look at me and say, you know the law, you've broken the law. You should be judged for that. Now, second, his concern had to be for Mary. We see that. His concern was also for this woman that he loved, was betrothed to. Now, in the legal code, what could take place is he could call for her death. That kind of thing really didn't happen that much, to be honest with you. In Jesus' day, what most likely would have taken place is he would have said, look, you know, she's cheated me out of a firstborn. She, we've gone through all this legal arrangement. Now she's broken her into the deal. I'm going to take her to court. I'm going to sue her and, you know, get, get some money out of this thing. That's, that's most likely what would have happened. But he says, you know what, I care about her. I don't want her to go through that disgrace. I'm just going to quietly end this agreement, this arrangement, this, this betrothal. I'm just going to end this engagement quietly so she's not embarrassed. So when the angel comes and says, look, what's going on here is of God. You're looking at it from a human perspective, but let me give you the view from a thousand miles in the air, a thousand feet in the air. This is of God. Now, if I'm Joseph, I'd say, okay, God, or, or okay, angel, but I need you to go tell everybody else this too. I don't want to be the one going out telling everybody, but an angel told me that my wife is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. It wasn't somebody else. We're all good. Don't judge us. Can we still come to the Christmas party? You know, like that kind of thing. I know there wasn't a Christmas party at the time, but you know what I'm saying. Like if that was me, that's what I would be thinking. Yeah, well, that's great, angel, but what about everybody else that's going to see this? And, he, and it says, the angel had to say to him, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. God's in this. God is coming to you through this unexpected moment in your life. And that's how God comes to all of us, I think, is when we're least expecting it and he just shows up. And when he shows up, what do we see? We see, yes, a God who knows everything about us, but we also see a God who knows what it's like to be us. We see not only a king of kings and the suffering servant, but we see a friend who wants to have a relationship with us. And that moment of being surprised or maybe fearful, God wants to enter into your life in a whole new way, an unexpected way, a way in which the past cannot predict what the future holds because this is a whole new category. And God wants to enter in there. 
Maybe fear is struck up for us as well. God, I don't want to give you that part of my life. I don't want to surrender my finances to you. I don't want to surrender my calendar to you. I don't want to confess that sin to someone. I don't want to, you know, make a commitment to spend time with you every day. I don't, I don't, I'm fearful of letting go of control of my own life. I think maybe something of that is happening in Joseph's life. He, he went through a crisis and he had a plan and then the angel said that's not God's plan. And in that moment, we can all feel a little fearful when God breaks in. But we remember, God comes to be with us. To be like us, in a sense. To sympathize, to empathize, to, to walk in our shoes. He is interested in what is good for us. He wants to be our friend. So when that fearfulness comes when God wants to come into our life in a whole new way we got to keep all that stuff in mind too or else we might say no thanks I am content with life as it is or at the very least I'm comfortable with the dysfunction I have created I know what to expect and yet God wants to enter in perhaps in a different way and you know what that doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian doesn't matter if you've been a Christian your whole life. God might be saying, there's, there's something else for you. I, there's a whole new level I want to take you to. There's a whole new experience. I want to use you in a way you never dreamed of. What will you do with that fear you sense? I think what we do with it is we say, God's in this. God's with me. He knows what it's like to be human. I can trust him. He loves me. He know, this is my, one of my favorite phrases to explain who our God is. God knows us completely and loves us fully. You know what happens when I know God's in this and he's with me in this? That Some of that fear just starts to melt away. At least enough to make a good decision to listen to him and to follow him. And this is what Joseph does. How does this little part of the story of Christmas end? It ends with the worst words of jo words of Matthew 1:24 when Joseph woke up he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Do you have a command of God in your life right now? Maybe you're running from, maybe you're scared of it. Maybe you're not, you know, you heard it once and you don't want to hear it again. Is there a step he's calling you to take? Is there something that he's calling you into? Is there a new level of life with him, a relationship with him, a friendship with him that you've been putting off because while life might be dysfunctional, you, at least you're in control of it, or so we think? What if Joseph would have said no? What if he would have said, this is too much? I don't want to go through the public scorn, the shame, everybody questioning and looking at us from out of the corner of their eye or looking down their nose as I want to deal with all that stuff. I don't want this headache. I didn't ask for it. This is just too much. What if he would have said no? Now I believe in the providence of God and God would have found a way even with one human no. I don't think that would have stood in the way of God's plan that he had from the, before the foundations of the world. But you know who would have missed out? Joseph would have missed out. 
Don't be the one that misses out because you're afraid that God's calling you into the unknown that you can't control. Remember, when he calls you to it, he says, I will go with you. Jesus is that proof. Emmanuel means God with us. This is the name, one of the titles given to Jesus. He goes with us into that unknown future. Our very best friend in the world says, I'm going to saddle up next to you and we're going to ride together. I know we're going. Just trust me. So when we got our eyes on Jesus, you know what we don't have our eyes on? All the reasons to say no. Joseph had his eyes on the angel believing that was a messenger from God, so he did not have his eyes any longer. And all the reasons, and he had many reasons to say no. So I ask and invite you this morning to put your eyes on Christ who came into the world. He knows what it's like. He knows it's scary. He knows it's hard. He knows the temptations. He knows your struggles. But he loves us so much, he says, let's go on this adventure together. You and me. What do you say? Don't let the fear keep you from experiencing what the Lord has for you. Let's pray. Father God, I confess sometimes it's easy to read these stories of the birth of Christ and just think, yeah, I've heard that before. But God, we know that Joseph was a real person who really struggled and trusted you and experienced your grace. And in part, we thank him and the work you did in his life as we read about his part of the story. God, I believe you're calling us into a friendship with your son, Jesus. For some of us, that's for the very first time we have never locked arms with him and said, I submit my life to you. For others, we've been doing it for a long time, but God, it you're calling them to a whole new level of friendship with Christ and it might be frightening to them. However you are working in each and every heart this morning, I pray we would be encouraged by these words from the angel that Jesus came as Emmanuel moving into our neighborhood to befriend us that we may not go on the journey of life alone but that we always know that one who knows what it's like to be us, walks beside us, leads us, loves us, knows us fully, and loves us completely. In Christ, that is what we have. And Father, we give you all the thanks for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we sing this closing song, as we have been doing, um, it's the response, chance to talk to the Lord chance to express whatever he has put on your heart, even just a two-sentence prayer to God, even as I'm talking, would be a wonderful way for us to close our time here together. What has he spoken to you? What message has he given you? What next step is he calling you to? What area of your life is he asking you to surrender to him? For the first time, to walk in friendship with him or to walk into a deeper level of friendship with Him, 
What is he calling you to? Even now, just pray and say, God, I'm, I'm ready. I'm willing. I set aside the fear. I focus on you. Let that be us today. Let, it, let us say that together, that we are open to God and what he wants for us because we know that we don't have a God that's content to sit in heaven and know all about us, but a God who came into the world for us. And why? Because he is Jesus, God who saves. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Messiah, the one who came to conquer sin and death, and he has. So whatever he is asking of us, let our response be yes.